I used to have a group of six or eight, maybe ten like, really good friends from church and we used to go out every Saturday morning and catch up. And we used to go out and we used to do coffee and breakfast and just hang out and have a good time. And my favourite place to go was this place, ten minutes from my house, in a place called Brighton. And it was called Cream. And it stood for Coffee Rules Everything Around Me. <laughs> Pretty good name, right? And for those of you that are like me, like 90s hip-hop songs, you know that's a take-off of Notorious Biggie with the cash rules everything around me, you know, like dollar-dollar bills, yo. If you, just me? Okay. Um, <laughs> Cream, great place, amazing place. But at this place called Cream, they used to sell these like hotcakes. They were like this thick and they would be drenched in maple syrup and then on top of it was this amazing fried chicken. It was unbelievable. And they used to sell this, um, these corn fritters. They were called Nonna's Secret Recipe and it was like a 40-year-old secret recipe and they were the best corn fritters you've ever had in your life. But my favourite thing on the menu was this uh, breakfast, sang- san- breakfast sandwich. It was this donut breakfast sandwich. So picture this, like kind of like a brioche bun sort of thing, but like a donut, this sweet but savoury bun, and inside it was this hash brown and all this breakfast goodness and cheesiness, and it was just unbelievable. So we used to come here and clog our arteries full of cholesterol every week as we approached strokes and heart attacks and this sort of thing. And we used to do this, and then we sort of looked around, and I noticed that all my friends were seriously unhealthy. <laughs> so what we started to do was we started to mix in a little bit of exercise, because I, I like being physically active. And so we used to exercise and then we'd reward ourselves and undo all the good work by going to cream. And so our favourite place to go and exercise was this place just south of Adelaide called Hallett Cove, the Hallett Cove Boardwalk. And it's this beautiful place because it's where the flat, beautiful beaches of Adelaide end and then you start coming to the rolling hills of Adelaide. And so this Hallett Cove Boardwalk is a series of like hills that roll along the, this sheer cliff face of the ocean with this west-facing beach so it's, at sunset you get the most amazing amazing view but there's these rolling hills with these wooden staircases that are sort of like fixed to the outside of the cliffs and quite often as you gaze out over the ocean as you're doing this walk up and down like this you'll see dolphins out there it's the most magical place so we used to go and we used to do this walk slash run there as a group and it was perfect because for those of us that were a bit more fit or fit or whatever, we could do sprints up the stairs and by the time we caught our breath back, the guys that were walking would catch up to us and we could walk along the flat and we could do like conversation together and then, so we all get a good workout for our various levels of fitness. But who here knows that I'm a really competitive guy? <laughs> like I was super competitive. And so what I started to do is I started to bring along these two weight vests that I had from work in the work van, these two 15 kilo weight vests. And so I started to wear one of these just so I could get a bit more out of the workout myself. And like the other boys would sort of pass it around, maybe like a couple hundred metres at a time sort of thing. And inevitably what happens is we get to the bottom of these staircases, right? And inevitably it becomes a sprint to see who can get to the top first. And so there's always someone false starting and going, go on, catch me sort of thing. So we have this great time. But I remember this one time in particular. I remember this one time in particular, we're nearing the end of the workout, so we're all pretty fatigued, we're all pretty tired, we're all pretty weighed down, right? And I'm wearing this weight vest. And like, as usual, someone says, go, the starter's whistle goes, bang, and we're all off. And like, my mates were way ahead of me, sprinting up these staircases, and they're chirping, thinking that I can't catch them. And if anyone knows me, you'll know that I'm not very fast. <laughs> like, whenever we do sprinting drills at, so- at training at soccer, I'm always one of the last people there. But if we do like repeat efforts, like sets of eight or ten or something, by the eighth, ninth and tenth, I'm normally in the top couple. Like, I can do repeated efforts quite well. So this suited me perfectly, and for some reason my competitiveness just kicked into gear. Weight vest and all, and I just put the bit between my teeth, so to speak. I just had to catch them. 
And so I start just pounding up these staircases like this. Just absolutely pounding up them. And I remember I got about halfway up the staircases and by now my legs are really heavy. My legs are heavy. There's, not much, there's no oxygen left in my lungs at all. My mouth's dry. Can anybody resonate with that? Like your heart's going like 100 miles an hour. Perhaps we can all think of a time when we go running and we can feel that experience. I can see my mates just ahead of me. Like I've got caught a little bit of ground, but I can see them still ascending the staircase and then the, the staircase ends and there's this big kick on the hill and then it flattens out and there's this seat where, which is the finish line where we're going to rest. And so I'm still I'm charging after them, charging after them, weight vests pulling me back holding me down, weighing me down, charging up the staircase, legs are heavy, feet wanting to stumble over every single step. Every single one of my senses is screaming at me to stop. <laughs> my lungs have got no air left. My mouth is dry. My, even my vision, we start to go into that tunnel vision where you don't see anything except for like what's directly in front of you. You don't hear anything other than the sound of the, your beating heart in your eardrums. By now, I swear my, my heartbeat is just like flatlining. <laughs> but anyway, I've got to win. I've got to catch him. There's no way he's going to chirp at me and still beat me. <laughs> so weight vest and all. I'm sprinting up this staircase. Weight vest weighing me down. Final like 50 metres to go. Sprinting. Darkness starting to close in on the edge of my vision. And if, you know, if you've ever experienced that, you know where I'm going with this story. <laughs> and I'm sprinting. I catch him. We've got 10 metres to go. Five metres to go, two metres to go, and we collapse in a heap as we come to the top of the hill together. Next thing I know, I open up my eyes and all ten people are there. <laughs> I realise that what's happened is that in my desperation to get to the top of the hill, as I've been weighed down by the weight vest, I pushed myself so hard that I've actually passed out at the top of the hill. But the good news is that everybody else was doubled over in so much pain and suffering of their own that they didn't notice. <laughs> So I've actually passed out for about a minute or two there. <laughs> and I love that story, and I think of that story because today as we talk about leaving the baggage behind, I can't help but think about as we go up and down the staircases of life. Like last week we talked about how we scale the mountains to have these experiences with God, and we go down into the valleys of our life. We talked about this up and down nature of our life. And I couldn't help but reflect on that experience at Hallett Cove. And I couldn't help but experience about how so often we get weighed down by stuff in our life which just holds us back, it weighs us down, it creates heavy legs, causes us to, every one of our senses to scream at us to stop before eventually the darkness closes in and we just collapse in a heap. I think that's a very true picture of life for so many of us. I think we all go through seasons and experiences where we feel a little bit like that. And the thing about this is, is that do I really want to carry that baggage into my life with me? Like if, if I've got an option... Do I really want to be strapping on that weight vest as I run the staircases of my life? Because the reality of the matter is, is that we don't have to carry that, that luggage. We don't have to carry that weight around with us in our everyday life. Like, do I really want to carry the pain of my failed business into my new business? Do I really want to carry the pain of rejection and the pain of heartache from my failed relationships in the past into my marriage today? Do I really want to take my pain and suffering of, mis of a broken friendship, of that mistrust, as I meet new people in my world and have an opportunity to forge new relationships? Do I want to be, that new relationship to be tainted with the mistrust of what happened to me previously? Do I really want to have to take that poisonous baggage with me as I try to climb the staircase of my everyday life? The truth of the matter is, is that we all carry this luggage with us, don't we? 
We all carry this weight. We all carry this weight that is around with us because we're all broken. <laughs> we're all sinned. We've all fallen short. Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't it encouraging to know that each one of us are in the exact same position here today? That each one of us have sinned and fallen short? Each one of us carry uh, the weight of dysfunction and brokenness around on us? Let's have a little fun this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbour and say something, okay? You guys are going to help me by having a bit of fun. I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, you're no better than me. Go on. Help me out. Help me out this morning. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're no better than me. Did you turn to your neighbour, Ashton? Your sister didn't punch you? Today's a good day, mate. (laughs) Now I want you to turn to your other neighbour. I want you to turn to your other neighbour now and say, I'm no better than you. Go on, turn to your neighbour and say, I'm no better than you. I'm glad we can have a bit of fun in church. Church is supposed to be fun. Because we have all sinned and we've all fallen short. Oi, look at how chatty the, these ladies here are. I blame Anne. Anne, the rabble rouser. <laughs> but the reality is, is that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all carry this. We all carry this sin. We all carry this brokenness. We all carry the, this dysfunction. We all carry this weight. We all carry this luggage through life, don't we? And it gets stuck to us and we can't remove it on our own. But the reality is is that this experience that we have is so different to the promises of the kingdom of God. This reality that we might be experiencing today of having this weight vest on, this luggage that we're carrying around with us, it's so different to the promises of the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom of God that I read about in my Bible. Like when I read 2 Corinthians and I read about how we are inwardly renewed day by day. That's a very different picture, that's a very different experience to what I might be feeling here today. When I read that we who are in Christ are a new creation, that the old has gone and that the new has come. That's a very different experience to, to what I might be feeling today as I'm weighed down by the luggage of my life. And you know, I don't want to be weighed down by that weight vest. I don't want to be weighed down by that luggage as I run the staircases of my life if I don't, want, if I don't have to. I want to be able to run a little bit lighter and so I scale those mountain tops and go into those valleys of my everyday. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so the main scripture that we're going to be teaching from is Luke 5. So if you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there now. But this is a topic that I think impacts each and every one of us. And my prayer from today, my hope from today is that we might be able to shed some kilos today, that we might be able to run our race a little bit lighter, that we might be able to leave that luggage behind. Luke 5, verse 1 to 11. Let's start it, hey? One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of... Gennesaret, I don't know, the people, what was that? Thank you, what Andrew said. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You know, imagine someone coming to your workplace and telling you how to do your job. (laughs) Simon Peter's a professional fisherman and he's Jesus. I can imagine Simon Peter thinking to himself, Jesus, you're a carpenter, an apprentice carpenter turned rabbi maybe? You're telling me how to do my job? (laughs) Thankfully, that's not how Simon Peter stayed, otherwise we wouldn't have this amazing story. So we'll keep reading on. Verse 5, this is a really important one. There's a key word in this 
in this next sentence. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. That key word in that sentence is that word master. Without that word, the rest of the story doesn't happen. It's that, that word signifies an understanding that Simon Peter had at that moment, which is crucial to the relationship of this story because by using that word master, it shows that he was aware that he was in the presence of someone greater than himself. It's, it shows that he was aware that there was something more that was going on than just flesh and bone. He was having an awakening experience, kind of like what we talked about last week. He was aware that there was something more than what he could just see in the here and the now. And that term master is so crucial and so critical because out of that awakening moment, he chooses to act out of faith and not out of his comfort or his reason. Because comfort and reason would probably have said that Jesus, it's the wrong time to go fishing. Or Jesus... It's the wrong tide to go fishing. Or Jesus, you don't know anything about this lake. This isn't the fishing hole. This isn't where the fish hang out. Jesus, we're in the wrong spot. Or he might have said, Jesus, I'm tired and and hungry. Maybe even a little bit hangry. (laughs) I hate being hangry. Or he might have even said, Jesus, you've already commandeered my boat. You've already asked me for so much. That's what comfort and reason would have said, but he didn't respond that way. Instead, he responded out of this place of humility and of faith. And he says this word, master. And that word alone is enough for Jesus to act. That, is, that word alone is enough for Jesus to have a little wry smile. I picture Jesus, as soon as he says that word, I picture Jesus having this little wry smile because no doubt he knew of Peter's cynicism in this moment of the catch and fish, right? But the very fact that he said master is saying, I'm aware that there's something greater that's in this boat than myself and I'm choosing to be, have my faith and trust in him. I'm choosing to be humble and to come and stand underneath to obey someone else's command for someone else to be the pilot of this boat. And so I can imagine Jesus having this wry little smile because he knew what was about to happen. Because I think Jesus might have installed like a fish finder on this boat. <laughs> he, might, he must have installed some sort of awesome fish finder. Either that or maybe he put on those the OG of those special polarised glasses, lenses that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Maybe Jesus was wearing those which enabled him to see through the water to see where the fish were, to know where to go fishing, to see where the open door was. Or maybe Jesus just clicked his fingers and the fish obeyed and jumped into the nets. (laughs) I don't really know, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because what we see here is that a miracle happened. Let's read. When they had done so... They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That last sentence, there's so much power in that when he says, I am a sinful man. I'm a broken man, I'm a dysfunctional man, I've got a whole heap of weight and luggage that I'm carrying around with me. I'm a sinful and broken man. Now these are words of death, aren't they? But words of death bring life in the kingdom of God. You know, I think of Jesus' words where he says, for everyone who wants to lose his life for me will save it, for whoever tries to save his life will lose it. I think of Jesus' words here. And who knows that the ways of the kingdom of God are different to our own? 
He knows that the alchemy of the kingdom of God is different. The economy, the, the physics, the laws of the kingdom of God are so different from our own. The world would say to Simon Peter in this moment, would say, Simon Peter, grab a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> Where's your self-esteem gone? Where's your self-worth gone? And they'd say, don't let religion make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> That's the, way, the, way, the ways of the world would say to Simon Peter in this moment. But the, that's the lie of the story. The lie of the story is the villain of this story. Last week, we, we spoke about the villain of the story in the moments of awakening being slumber. The villain of the story for this week, in us being able to leave our baggage behind, the villain is the lie of the big me. <laughs> it's believing that I'm perfect. It's believing that I'm all good. It's believing that I'm not so broken. Because you see, we, it robs us of... Um, the power of repentance and grace. You know, we've all got this closet of shame, don't we? We've all got this closet of shame which we hide and we bury deep within ourselves and which we stuff and we try to put all the bad memories of our past, which we try to put all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our dysfunction, all of our hurt, all of our pain. We put all of this stuff into this closet called shame inside of us and the, the closet's bursting open because we try to stuff it with so much stuff. But we desperately try close that door of shame and turn out the light and lock the door and just hope and pray that nobody ever goes into the room and sees this door called entitled shame and let alone open the door and see what's inside so we've all got this closet called shame that's within us don't we but the lie of the big me the lie of the big me says that i'm not that broken it says that i'm good enough i'm i'm not that i'm not that bad I'm not that sinful, I'm not that shameful, I'm not that bad. And so we neglect it and we hide it and we push it away and we bury it deep. But the truth of the matter is, is that unless we bring that to life, unless we bring that out into the open, we can't truly deal with the root cause of it. We can't truly deal with what's really underpinning our pain and our dysfunction and that baggage. We can't truly clean out the closet, so to speak. And so here we have Simon having this profound experience that Jesus is bringing about a profound awareness of his own brokenness. And he asks for exclusion from Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus in this moment? Can you imagine Jesus going, oh, sorry, Simon, I didn't realize you were such a sinner. You're right. Get me out of here. Get me out of this boat, Simon. I can't bear to be in the same boat with you. Like, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And yet, Simon Peter asks for exclusion. So at the heart of it is this fear of rejection from Jesus. And so he says, Jesus, I can't even be in the same presence as you. Let me, you mustn't know about my closet called shame. Exclude me from your presence, Jesus. Like, it's just ridiculous. And yet, how often do we believe that same lie about ourselves? How often do we say that very same prayer? Because we... We too try to hide our sin and our brokenness, even though Jesus already knows. Like, how do you hide something from someone that's all-knowing and all-present? But that's what we try to do when we try to stuff all this luggage of our life into this closet called shame. And this is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? I think of the Garden of Eden. I think of that moment when Adam and Eve committed that sin, that rebellion from God, where they said, God, I don't want to follow your ways. I want to experience something different and in that moment in that moment of brokenness 
It said that they became aware of their dysfunction. They became aware of their nakedness. They became aware of their brokenness. And in that moment, they felt shame and they had to cover themselves. And God, in that moment, the moment they committed that sin, God knew that the story of humanity was forever changed. God knew that the relationship between he and mankind was forever different. God knew that nothing would ever be the same again. And God could have reacted in any number of ways in that moment. God could have chose to pack up his bags and go and start something new. He could have done any number of things. But what he chose to do is he chose to search out Adam and Eve. He went seeking Adam and Eve in order to restore the relationship with them. Jesus already knew of Peter's shameful past and his sin and his brokenness and his baggage. But Jesus sought out Peter in order to restore the relationship. Jesus already knows of your closet of shame. But he still seeks us out in order to restore the relationship. In order that we might be able to leave some of that baggage behind. ways of the kingdom of God are so different and in this story we see how Peter is not just aware he's not just aware of his own brokenness and his own luggage but he actually falls to his knees in remorse you know grace forgiveness and love grace causes us to make amends grace causes us it propels us forward I think of Zacchaeus in this moment Zacchaeus the tax collector who stole from his community Zacchaeus the tax collector who used to prey on the vulnerability of the people in his community, who abused his position of power, how he sat around the table with Jesus. And in that moment, he became aware of a presence beside him that was much greater than his own. And as a result of that, he became aware of his own dysfunction and his own brokenness and his own luggage, his own baggage, his own sin. And in that moment, he confessed it, didn't he? The keys confessed his sin. And what did he do next? He was remorseful, and so he went and gave back to everyone that he had stolen from. Guys, this is the ways of the kingdom of God. The way of the kingdom of God is that as we come into the presence of Jesus, as we come into the presence of someone that's greater than ourselves, we become aware of our own dysfunction and brokenness, and there's no need for us to to be shameful about it. There's no need for us to try and hide it, because he already knows. He already knows, and as soon as we are willing to open that door and say, yeah, God, you're the master, I want to fall at your knees, I'm not worthy... God does something miraculous. He takes that baggage away. Let's read on. But he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Isn't it interesting that just quickly, that, that phrase, don't be afraid. Last week on the mountaintop, Peter, this same man, came face to face with God. And God said the exact same phrase, don't be afraid. From now on you'll fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. Throughout this story we see that Peter using the universal language of the guilty. He's constantly saying, I've fallen short. He's saying, I'm not worth it, I'm disqualified, exile me, banish me. And yet Jesus responds with these beautiful words which I've been hinting at all along. Jesus responds by saying, Don't be afraid. (laughs) Fear not. Doesn't that speak to our deepest, most fear? 
that if someone truly looked inside our closet of shame, that we might be rejected. Yet God looks into our innermost, deepest, darkest parts of our closet of shame and he says, don't be afraid. (laughs) I don't want to exclude you from my presence. (laughs) What a gracious God. What an amazing God that we can come before the presence of someone that's greater than our own, become aware of our own dysfunction and we don't need to be afraid about our brokenness, our luggage, our baggage of life. We don't need to be ashamed of it. We don't need to fear that if someone sees into it and someone sees it, that we might be rejected and cast out. You see, we believe, for some reason, we believe that our sin disqualifies us from a future with God. That's why we try to hide it. That's why as Christians, we try and hide it. But the truth couldn't be, it couldn't be any further from the truth. You see, from, from this moment, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then from that moment, he goes in and he goes on to take the baggage of life away, to make us a new creation, but he also gives us a new vocation. It's from that moment that we see Peter receive a mission and a purpose for his life. It's from that moment that we see Peter start to understand the Great Commission over his life. From now on, you'll fish for people. I think of the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, God gives us a a great commission. He gives us a new vocation. He says, don't be afraid, I'm going to give you something new. (laughs) Don't be afraid, I'm going to set your path on something new. But along with the Great Commission is often what we call the greater mission, isn't it? The second part of the Great Commission talks about teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. You see, when we receive this new vocation, we also receive a new intention. We also desire something different. John 14 and 15, like all through the Gospels in particular, go away and read John 14 and 15 and look at how many times the Word of God pulls together obedience and love. John 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You see, as we are set apart from our baggage of life and as we are set upon a new course, a new intention in order to go and fish for people, in order to go and take the love of God into an eating world. As we go about doing that, we have a new intention that's thrust upon us. It's not compliance. It's not feeling like as if we have to follow the religious rules. But there's something about a relationship, there's something about love which compels us, which drives us to want to, not please, but just, just act in love. It's love being expressed. Like with my wife, She's an amazing girl, I tell you that all the time. She's an amazing girl, but so often I look for ways to try and serve her or, or love on her or something like this, and I don't do it because I'm trying to win her over. I don't do it because I want her favour. I don't want to do it to try and avoid a fight. I don't do it for any of those sorts of reasons. I don't do it for any real motivation other than that I just want to do nice things. <laughs> Does that make sense? And it's the same way with, as we fall deeper in love with God, as we walk further and further on this journey with Him, on this new vocation, on this new intention of the Great Commission, the greater mission, that obedience thing, it comes. It comes with it. Our intention is to live a a life of light. And so this morning, my prayer is that we might be able to leave some of that baggage behind. That we might be able to say, yeah, God, I'm in that boat. I need that help. And you know, when we do, the great thing about what we do is we receive this new intention. We are free from fear and we're free from shame. We receive fresh legs to run the race a little bit lighter. 
to make our Mondays to Sundays a little bit lighter. I think we'd all like a little bit of that. But the heaviness of this topic is that if we don't, then we take that baggage of life into every situation which we go into. The heaviness, the weight, all of it. And it acts as poison to all of our relationships. If we don't deal with that baggage, if we don't deal with that weight vest, if we don't deal with that brokenness and that dysfunction, that becomes a well of poison that we can't escape. It's corrosive and it's destructive. And we weren't supposed to live our lives that way. God has set aside a new pathway. He's set aside a new way and he says, don't be afraid. So I'm nearly done here. So Kate, if you want to organise the team. But if I'm speaking to you, still got a couple of minutes. If I'm speaking to you today, then I'm going to ask you in a moment to respond. Now, I promise I won't embarrass you, but in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by raising your hand when, once I've got everyone's eyes closed. <laughs> and I know this is kind of old school. I know it's something you think, oh, that's what they do at youth group. But there's something powerful that happened in the story when Simon Peter fell at the knees of Jesus. There's something powerful that happens when we have a physical response to something that's happening inside of us. There's something powerful that happens when we say, yeah, God, I want that too. That's for me as well. So the way we're going to close this morning is in a moment we're going to take communion and then we're um, going to go back to our seats, take it, and then we're going to join in Kate and the team for the last song. And if you're new here, communion is really simple. And you're more than welcome to join in, or if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to. But it's very, very simple. We've got the bread and we've got the juice, and they represent Jesus' blood and his body. And what we do is we take those and we remember him, and it's this beautiful moment of sacred quietness with him. So you see, Jesus went to the cross with no baggage of his own. Jesus went to the cross with absolutely none of that sin and brokenness and dysfunction that we carry with us. But instead, he walked up the hill with his cross on his back, <laughs> with, our, with our baggage, with our weight vest. He walked that hill with our baggage. And as he went to the cross and as they drove those nails through his hands and his feet, Jesus took on our baggage. He took on our luggage. (laughs) He took on our dysfunction and our sin and our brokenness. And then Jesus upon that cross with the weight of the world upon him, with our transgressions, with our sin, with our shame, with our closet of shame, emptied out, laid bare, thrust upon him, with the weight of the world upon his shoulders. Jesus being holy man, uh, entirely man, he died. He died. He was buried in a tomb with all that luggage and a stone was rolled over. But who knows the story didn't end there. Three days later, the stone was rolled back out of the way and Jesus came back out of that tomb, freed of the luggage, resurrected, renewed. And the reason why he did that was to leave our luggage and our baggage in the, in the bottom of that tomb so that we wouldn't have to wear it any longer. 
so that we might be able to run our race a little bit lighter. That's the story of communion. That's the story of the cross. That's the story of why we gather here today. And that's the invitation for why we're here. Can I get everyone just to close your eyes? I know it feels old school and I know it feels silly, but just stay with me. If you can feel a stirring in your spirit this morning, if you can feel a stirring as you realize that you're in the boat with someone greater than yourself, and if being aware of that presence within you, beside you, highlights some stuff in your life that you wish that you could let go of, that you could be freed from, if you can feel that stirring in your spirit with every eye closed, this is a sacred moment between you and God, no one's looking, can you just raise your hand, this is your, mo- this is your opportunity to do just as Simon Peter did when he fell at the knees of Jesus he sees your hands, no one else sees your hands, this is a sacred moment between you and God thank you but I'm going to pray for you, you're welcome to put your hands down Jesus you are so much greater than us you are our master And God, we are so aware of the luggage that we carry around with us every single day. And God, your word declares that we are a new creation. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far our sin is cast from us. And so God, I pray that this morning that you may just bring a refreshing and a renewal. I pray that you may just give us a fresh start, that you may give us fresh legs, that you may take that luggage that we carry with us and just bury it deep beneath that tomb. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that you don't cast us out, that our sin doesn't disqualify us, but rather you come before us and you say, don't be afraid, and now go. Jesus, we just love you. We thank you. When you're ready, come and take communion. Go back to your seats. Have that quiet moment with God. And then when you're done, let's join in the team in uh, praising our wonderful God.